I'm Janet Brancato. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I work for Valley Hospital um, in Ridgewood, New Jersey. I've been a dietitian over almost 30 years. I've been uh, working uh, mostly in the individual counseling, one-on-one uh, nutritional counseling for both pediatric and adult nutrition. I also do community health lectures, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. I love what I do. I definitely love the individual counseling aspects and helping people with their relationship with food, whether it's on the medical side of things or just, like I said, wellness and prevention, but just improving people's lives and quality of lives, their health and how they feel. We do all of our counseling over, we do in-person counseling at the Lookout Pavilion in Paramus, but we are doing telemedicine as well. Since COVID, we really, that really ramped up and became a real thing, which is excellent because it can reach so many more people from the comfort of their home. Sure. So they can either choose to do a telemedicine visit or if they would like to come in to the office, we do have in-person visits as well. How did you get into this line of work? Are you a foodie? What? <laughs> How did you get where you are? I've always loved science, and my mom is, has, was a teacher, an elementary school teacher, so I also have that in me that I do love to teach and counsel. But I think what happened in college was I thought I was going the teacher route, but at the same time, my dad was ill. He had advanced heart disease, and he was uh, looking for ways to change his lifestyle. And I really started looking more in-depth into the area of nutrition as a help to him. And I also, at the same time, was taking a class for nutrition. So it kind of all came together for me. The light bulb went on, and I was like, wow, there's an actual career for this. Um, (laughs) I looked into it a little bit further and decided to switch my major and go into nutrition. It kind of married my love of science and the body and teaching and helping people. So it really all came together. I didn't know where it was all going to lead. I love that story. And you sound very passionate. You You know what? uh, Before we get into the the whole, I wanted to talk to you about this this movement that I've been reading about, the anti-diet movement. But before we get there, Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about different families' relationships with food. And I think that a lot of problems with food come from that relationship that goes all the way back. I mean, that's simplifying it, of course. But for example, we in my family, we never talked about food. Food was just fuel. Whereas other people like my husband, for example, he's Italian, their family, their lives revolve around food. What's on sale at ShopRite? What are we going to make for dinner? How about tomorrow? What do we have in our fridge? It's an incredibly different way of looking at food. How does that play when you talk about nutrition and being a nutritionist, a dietitian, how does that whole relationship with food play in what you do? Yes. So that's very important. And I can definitely relate to your husband in terms of (laughs) um, the focus on the food. And I really was raised similarly where it was a passion to have food on the table and almost a nurturing type of setting where I was always very comfortable in the kitchen. I have to give credit to my mom and dad. They were both cooks. They, they liked to be in the kitchen and they liked to cook and they wanted us involved in that process. And I feel like for families, that's so key. And I, when I work with families and if there's struggles with food, I always try to encourage the parents to get your child involved in the process that if they see where food comes from, take them food shopping, show them 
how you do a little meal planning or you create your shopping list, get them involved with maybe some simple tasks in the kitchen, depending on their age, getting them really comfortable in the kitchen. I really feel like this sets the foundation for their relationship with food and that there's no good and bad foods, that all foods can fit, you know, and give them that experience. Let them really feel like, yes, food is fuel, but it's also enjoyable. It also brings people together and can be enjoyed together and helps relationships with the people as well. So it really is a good foundation and it's a, a life skill. I always tell parents that food and choosing food and preparing food and enjoying food as a family is really a life skill. When you learn to take care of yourself instead of just ordering out or just picking up food on the go, you're really, you know, like I said, it is a life skill and it's important. It's part of health and well-being. Oh, I agree. But then diets, dieting in America and our messed up, I guess, relationship that we have with food. Diets have a lot of associated problems and they often, so often don't work or they work for a while and then you gain all the weight back. Do you advise diets or how do you approach as a dietitian someone who is struggling with their weight? I mean, I try to initially just find out what's happening with that person. You try to really get a good background about them and with their eating and their relationship with food and what kind of expectations that they have with making changes. I'm really not a fan of diet. I feel like we've, we've seen that diets are not long-term solutions. They may work short-term. People do get some success. And then what happens is there's really no long-term success. The weight comes back. Sometimes you can come back even more than when they started, which could be more detrimental. So I really try to move people away from the diet mentality and diet culture. So different kinds, every year people are looking to diets or fads, and they're really not sustainable. They could be very restrictive. They could be costly if they're asking you to buy products and things like that. They can be unbalanced, and they just harm our relationship with food feeling like certain foods are, you know, prohibited or I can't have that. It's just not a long-term solution. So I really try to move people away from that. However, would you go as far as the anti-diet movement where I guess you you look at it in an entirely different way. The anti-diet movement is like, we're not going to take it anymore. We're mad as hell. <laughs> and with also a big feminist slant to it. Like, I'm not going to worry about how other people see me. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, I, you know, I agree. There should not be a place for weight discrimination. I really, I feel strongly about that as well. I really try to focus on the person's health. I try to get a good health history to see where they're at. And I do really try to restrict the diet mentality, moving away from it, moving away from focusing on the external moving more towards what makes up that whole person, you know, where have they been and where are they going and how is their health? So I really try to focus more on their health, how they feel. Food can affect how you feel, your energy levels, how you sleep, your mood. So more leaning in that direction. I've heard that if you think that exercise is going to be your way toward getting a better number on the scale, that exercise doesn't do it. But doesn't it open up a whole world of health and self-care, which is a phrase that we're hearing a lot over the past year, self-care, if you do exercise and if you do get away from denying yourself as much as opening up a new world of possibility to you? Definitely. Yeah. Exercise teaches 
is important, but not exercising to punish yourself or yeah. to, you know, get rid of calories. You know, it's really about trying to move your body so it could be a great anti-stress. Obviously, it can change body composition so people do feel better. They have more energy. There's so many positive aspects to exercise and movement. But it's about finding something you enjoy to do. I think any changes that you make, you want to make changes that are going to stick. With, with exercise, it's all about consistency and not so much the timing. I tell people, whatever you have time for. If you have 10 minutes available and you want to go take a walk, do 10 minutes. If you have a half hour, do a half hour. But it's all about building in that consistency with movement and your body will definitely reap the benefits. I've also heard about intuitive eating and listening for hunger cues rather than something else. So yes, intuitive eating is focused more on tuning into your body. We used to call it more like mindful, mm-hmm. mindful practices where mm-hmm. you're tuning more into your body and you're trusting your body, you're trusting yourself, you're trusting your body, you're moving away from rules about food. So in terms of your hunger, your body self-regulates. It tells you when you're hungry and it tells you when you're full. And if we're tuned into that, our body really can help us with that process of how much to eat and, and that type of thing and paying more attention to how food makes your body feel. So sometimes yeah. people might eat something and then they're not feeling so great after it. You know, so you tune into that and you decide, well, maybe I won't have that as often or maybe I'll try to avoid that. So it's tuning more into your body, honoring your hunger, making peace with food. Like I said, all foods can fit, feeling your fullness. And like I said, trusting your body, trusting yourself. Buying clothes that don't fit now, but down the road... I could get into that and that'll be a goal. Your thoughts? It depends on expectations again. It goes back to those expectations. Where where are you putting your body through to get to that process? I think that's more of an individual question that I would handle with somebody depending upon where their relationship (laughs) is with food. But I feel like, you know, putting that kind of pressure on yourself, sometimes people find it motivating uh, to make certain changes. So it depends on on the person and uh, the experiences that they've had, if it's going to push them into some kind of disordered eating, then I wouldn't recommend it. But sometimes people have different ways of motivating themselves. So that's kind of a little bit more challenging to answer, not knowing the person. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, you just have to be careful with what you're putting your body through. America isn't big on fasting. As a dietitian, what is your outlook on fasting? Like intermittent fasting has been a big movement of late. Fasting diets, and where people are, again, eating very low calories. They're not long-term solutions, yeah. so I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, but intermittent fasting in terms of timing, you know, meal timing, where people are eating in an eight-hour window, you know, certain timing has shown to have some good effects, some positive effects. Yeah. It's not for everyone, not for medical conditions, you know, but it has been an effective tool for people sort of, like I said, eat in a certain window, a little bit more of a fasting time, and they've had some benefits with that. So there has been some benefits. Still, you know, looking to see other studies and other research yeah. that comes out. But initially, it does have some, there are some positive benefits for certain populations. So yes. it may not be for everyone. Obesity as a public health issue, you can understand in many ways why our population is so heavy because of fast food is so cheap. You can buy these huge yeah. meals very, very cheaply 
it's easy to see how you would pile on the pounds from that. Talk about, if you would, obesity as a, a public health matter. Yeah, you know, now with people doing remote working, I know people are maybe less active or yeah. have maybe changed patterns of eating, like mm-hmm. you said, not some people have been cooking more, but other people have not been been doing a little bit more indulgent eating or just, you know, eating outside their norms. But so there has been some increase there. But, you know, we're, you know, it depends on, you know, where people are at in terms of their health. Although, you know, when you see people who are really morbidly obese, let's say, mm-hmm. and then hearing about, oh, you can be healthy at any size. Are we doing, right, right. Are we doing anybody, a, 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 I think we're doing somebody as disservice looking at some of these uh, models who are morbidly obese and is it okay I think that we're trying to move away from just focusing on the number on the scale. You know, Um, I think it doesn't tell the whole story. And I think that's really where that movement is not just looking at those numbers. It's looking at the person individually. So where is that person health wise? Um, Obviously, if there's some health issues going on, it may or movement is that may or may not be coming all from the the weight of the person. There might be some other issues going on. Um, so it's to kind of look a little bit deeper into what's happening with that person because mm-hmm. um, I mm-hmm. feel like that's where those stigmas can come in and we're really trying to move away from that. If you get into self-loathing, what a terrible, yeah. vicious cycle that yeah. becomes. Yeah, and the yo-yo dieting has you know much worse effects. So it's really trying to form a better relationship with food. I feel like that's the overall, rather than just focusing on the numbers, really have people make peace with food in their body and be more willing to maybe take a little bit of self-care approach, yeah. you know, that once they have that and they're not, like you said, loathing themselves. Yeah. yeah. How often do you step on the scale personally? I really don't. It's probably when I go to the doctor's office or, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, yeah. when I do my physicals or that nice. type of thing. Again, I try not to um, get focused on that. And I am very passionate about health and, and uh, food and, and fuel and and you know, all of that. So it's definitely something that comes from my own personal experience. And I really try to encourage and focus people in that, in that realm. Were you easygoing with your family <laughs> on odd food? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I really tried not to, like I said, I have the all foods can fit mentality at home as well as with people. Yeah. Um, so, and I feel like those rules tend to just make people sneak around anyway, or they want those foods more. And even with kids, I really feel like they will learn to listen to their body. I always try to encourage, listen to your body. How does your body feel after you eat that? If you're not feeling so hot, well, maybe overdid it. You know, you, you can kind of learn early on how your body feels. It's interesting that you say that because I think sometimes we don't pay attention to how our body does feel. And just by yeah. pointing that out sometimes to somebody, yeah, you know, you're right. I don't really feel so great. Your own body tells you. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you've been fabulous. Anything else you want to uh, say that's uh, important to you and what you do? I want people to really get that message that it's not about the scale. It's about taking care of your body. It's about personalized care for yourself and finding that right relationship with food, that you can make peace with food, that you don't have to have those food rules to move away from the diet and really just find what makes your body feel good. Find the right balance between eating well and and moving your body and living your best life. So I really feel like that's important.